Welcome everyone to episode seven of Raw Sport. My name is Armour Al-Huli and as always, my co-host, Mr. Tony Sheen, joins me on the show. Tony, how are you, buddy? How's things? G'day, Armour. Great to be back with you on Raw Sports for another fantastic Tuesday morning where we get to discuss all the big issues from sports around the globe. Rock solid episode this one. Lots of controversy. Uh, too much to talk about, actually. We'll start right at the top. The Women's World Cup comes to an end. Um, I know you were a uh, very engaged supporter following all the way through from day one to the final. <laughs> Take us through the uh, final, the semi-final. You know, you were there cheering and chanting. Talk to me, buddy. No, Ahmed, uh, as we've discussed off camera, you are the one with all of the polarising views. I think half the planet knows what happened over the World Cup in Sydney and New Zealand over the best part of the last four weeks. So rather than waste our fans' times, you go your hardest on what you think. Number one, con- congratulations to the Matildas and congratulations to the um, Spanish team who actually won the World Cup. Um, some of the stuff that's come out after after this World Cup final has been absolutely ridiculous. I well, mean... Like what? Now, like, for example, there's a, there's a premier in Queensland who needs to get a, re, a reality check, like, as soon as possible to see if there's something between between her ears, mate. I'll tell you. She wants to build a statue for the Matildas coming forth. Why it's are you all, criticizing Anastasia Palaszczuk? It's almost as bad as that statue for, for Taylor Harris that, what's his name, built here in Victoria? I mean... What is going on? What are you producing? Like, what are you building? What are you encouraging moving forward? I mean, seriously, what are we doing to our kids? This is injustice. Our kids are going to look back at us in 50 years and say, damn these guys, they absolutely created a generation of pansies. Ridiculous. But you're talking about potential female sports stars in the future? How, how are you encouraging stardom if you, you're creating a statue for someone who didn't even win a medal, a participation statue, it's never happened in the history of the universe. The only time that usually happens is when dictators in Egypt back in the days put up statues of themselves and give themselves a pat on the back for for the sole reason because they are, they've literally done nothing but because they're, they're dictators. It's just pointless, silly, unwarranted. For what? Well, it's quite a good segue into um, our next comment, being that why is Australia celebrating our women who finished fourth in the World Cup? I mean, yes, I don't know what the expectations were of the Australian sporting community and the the wider country as a whole, but I would have thought finishing fourth is okay. But, I mean, we challenged England. Look, the results didn't go our way, but why we, we should be celebrating their effort, not their fourth finish in the Women's World Cup. I mean, finishing fourth, as you alluded to, what's it going to bring to our future sports stars? The participation in isolation is okay. It's not. We should have finished in the top three, not the top four. 100%. We should have finished first. Well, that's what we should have been aiming for. First. Don't about the top three and the, and the top four or the top five. It's literally nothing but a participation statue. This is... Yeah. This is what is wrong with Australia at the moment. Yeah, look, England was just far too good. And I know you're about to uh, unleash on the federal government into 
uh, funding and participation rates for women's sports in this country. But, but you know, our men don't have a base and our women are now going to have the option of a $200 million investment, but it's got to be an application through the government. So why aren't we doing this pre-World Cup finals and investing into the future of our sport? I mean, I know we always compare ourselves to America, but America builds for the future. Australia builds for yesterday. We build tunnels and create two-lane highways. America builds 10-lane highways because they know they're going to have people who are going to utilise these pathways. 100%. It shouldn't have taken all this time and effort and a World Cup to invest $200 million into women's sports. Just simply should not have happened this way. It shouldn't. So from my perspective, this, this then makes me question the intentions of this funding. What's it for, right? Is it truly about the women's game or is it political activism, right? Because at the end of the day, if you really cared about women's sports, right, this would have been done years ago. And don't give me the, don't give me the crap of Labor, Liberal, whatever. If you care about women's sports, the funding would have been there years ago. Right? Yeah, I agree. At the moment, we're just seeing politics and sports become one, literally. Sports is being used as a mechanism for these politicians to brown nose in, in front of the in front of the Australian people, which is disappointing in my opinion. Yeah. The, the other thing is, by extension of what you've just said, I noticed on stage for the finale for Spain v England, why was our Governor General up on stage next to the Prime Minister? What, what the hell has he got to do with giving out medals and participation medals to the umpires in both teams? Nobody even knows who, who, who the hell he is. That's the truth. No, but my point being is, why was he up there? I can understand Prime Minister Albanese being on stage to congratulate all the participants and the winning team because it's in, in his country. But why was the Governor-General up on stage? No clue, to be honest. It, 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 I, I don't think I've seen that happen before. Well, it doesn't make sense. I think it was stupidity. Yeah. Now, well, take us through some of the numbers from um, the final, from the Australian v England game. Um, the, the broadcast numbers were pretty, if you talk about Australia v England, they were record-breaking numbers in this country. Um, the total reach was 11.15 million. The average audience was 7.13 million. Uh they're huge numbers, right? Huge. Extraordinary. Yeah, huge, huge, huge numbers. Now, if we look, if we look at, take the average audience, 7.13 million, that is just under a third of the entire nation tuning into the game. Exactly. And it's almost half the nation tuning into the game, with the, the, like the, the, the total reach. Um, if we go into this whole media issue that happened pre the World Cup and we go into who actually owned the rights to the, to the World Cup, which I'll, I'll let you sort of pretty much elaborate on. In my opinion, this was a total disaster. Well, you specify what you mean by that. Optusport bought the, the rights to the um, Women's World Cup, sold it to Channel 7, Right, Channel yep. Seven 
reap the rewards of it. And then the sole media provider of Australian football, of the A-League, Channel 10, didn't even bid or, or like, why wouldn't <clears throat> you win these rights? Well, look, if we take the media coverage in the wake of last week's final, what they're saying is I think 10 may have participated in the bid, but seven thought it best to buy the rights to the Women's World Cup for a little under $5 million and have reaped amazing benefits. This would... Um, this could turn into a you know a, a fifty to hundred million dollar windfall for the seven network. I just I can't work out why ten who pays I think it's around forty to fifty million dollars per annum over a four year deal, which would equate to a two hundred million dollar deal over four four and a bit years for ten and Paramount, their American owner, not to invest in the women's game when they have spent so much money on the men's local league in Australia. It doesn't make sense. It's bad business. And they should have been able to forecast the success of the Women's World Cup in their home country. 100%. It would have made up for their losses. Of from, course. From, 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 from last year's A-League absolute, um, what's it called? Stuff up. Yeah. Uh, look, look, if we look at the current media landscape in this country, Channel 7, Channel 9, powerhouses. Fox, he's got all the cable networks, so on, so on. The issue is the commitment across the board isn't there. If you look at Channel 7, they bought it from Optusport. How much did Optusport pay for the rights? I think around 15 million. 15 million. Okay. Channel 7 paid 5 million, right? Yeah, just under. All right. They got the highest return on investment probably in. Almost history. history. Yeah, history this probably of, of our country's media landscape. Now, Channel 10, you lost the initial bid, right? Why wouldn't you go back and try win, you know, try and get it? How seven got it? Get come through an alternative ch channel and 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 win. Like the point the point is that you have to be all in on this because you've already committed to the sport. Correct. Look, we've got to take our hats off to the Seven Network and its CEO, James Warburton, to master. have the foresight. What a master move. Master move. Master I, he, move. I'm surprised more hasn't been made of his decision to do this. I mean, yes, we speak about the Seven Network as a whole, and it's led by its billionaire owner and major shareholder, Kerry Stokes, but what Warburton has done is nothing short of brilliance. Look, to not taking away from the broadcast itself, look, I was critical of Optus Vision by the way of its commentators. I think David Bashir and his female special comments person really, really lacked. I mean, yes, he had a tough job. He did all of Australia's games and he did the final for Optus Vision. But where was the excitement in his voice? You know, in terms of when... And yes, I think the Sam Kerr goal, it, it was done justice. But the rest of the attempts and some of the goals, I wanted some excitement through the TV screen and it mate, was just lacking. Mate, you got that many Australian legends sitting out at the moment. I mean, why wouldn't you pick up the phone and bring him specifically for the Buddy World Cup? It's just, it's just, uh, it's just, it's honestly, it's run like a, like a small milk bar, really. It's just, it's just a farce. Exactly. Um, the, other the thing, creativity, like, they have as much cre creativity as what, like, who's the most, like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, look, and I was 
disappointed with Optus Vision in terms of on Sunday night's final between England and Spain, they missed the to- the coin toss. Um, they didn't. They, the, some of the camera angles were really quite wide, so you couldn't see the players well enough. And you, they might talk around and defend their position and say, "Well, we had limited resources." And they were. Of course, the of course they're going to do that. Of course, they're going to defend their position. Yeah, because, because but but you, you got to understand something. Optus has only been a means of bringing another product into into Australia. They haven't been the guys on the ground, right? They've done TV shows, but they I don't think they've done any actual Premier League games, right? They've just pretty much plugged in a cable from from the Premier League uh, media office. Yeah. So who was doing the broadcasting of the Women's World Cup in Australia? From my understanding, it was them. That they was doing everything, yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So, I don't so. think they did a great job of selling the game. Well, you see, see, this is the difference between when we talk about Australia and the States. I'll give you an example, right? Amazon won the bidding rights to host Thursday Night Football in America. Thursday Night Football averages 11 million, 12 million people tuning in. Uh, What they did was their first year, they have a streaming platform, Amazon Prime, so on. They've got endless resources, Amazon. They're worth trillions of dollars. Yep. You know what they did? They white labeled the NBC broadcast stream, all right, and they fed it through to Amazon. So they used they brought in NBC because NBC is more experienced when yeah. it comes to streaming. Now our friends that are at Optus never thought to do that. I mean, it's clear as daylight. You you've never done it before. Like, so are you so- saying? by what Amazon did with NBC, that Optus Vision should have done that with Channel 7. Exactly. So why wouldn't you bring in Channel 7 saying, hey, here's a bit more money, right? You guys do all, all the heavy lifting on the ground, your, your cameras, your, your broadcast team, your this, or leave the broadcast team, but all the, the technology, the stack on the back end, we use yours, and we'll feed it into Optus, and we'll feed it into, into Channel 7. Well, does, my- that, does that make too much sense? Well, maybe it does, but the other part of this situation that you've just brought up, maybe that Optus Vision wants to be considered one of the big boys and thought that they could do it. Now, Well, you start, should... at a, you start at a local game. You don't start the World Cup. No, I know, but, but maybe they thought well, that they were capable and competent. And, look, they did a reasonable job, but if you're going to be doing the numbers that they were doing and using the Seven Network to piggyback on the broadcast to broadcast it around the rest of the country and the world, well, I think they should have been better. I just, the commentary was a little bit lacklustre. The special comments person, I thought, was reading a book. (laughs) And some of the uh, inability to broadcast simple things, as I've said, like the coin toss and replay certain key incidents from certain games, just wasn't there. Yep. I mean, I don't know. It's just... It's, it's bloody ridiculous. But anyway. Look, look, I know you didn't see the game, but did you see the pre-game entertainment? No. I thought FIFA did a, an exceptional job. I thought the ability to put together people on the ground in Sydney and their choreography was fantastic. I was a little bit dubious about some of the costumes that the female dancers were wearing. I thought it might have been a little bit 
towards the female anatomy side of a colour scheme, which is a uh, topic for another day. But outside of, of that, I thought it's a the, graphic, the, the graphics they used, <clears throat> they used young girls um, kicking soccer balls around on little uh, Lego-type blocks, which were part of the graphics. And then we had Melbourne-born Tones and I, who uh, sang, I think, three songs. And I thought, for the most part, it was actually pretty good. Inspiring stuff. Oh, um, feel it in your voice. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the... We'll stay around the Women's Football and the Women's World Cup, but we'll, we'll move on to the pay disparity that's been spoken about as of recent. All right, let's get something straight. The Women's World Cup is an amazing event. It's a great event. It's an event that needs needs to happen, and <clears throat> an event that needs to be respected by by more females and males. Right. So, I'm all for uh, enabling and giving them the resources that they need to you know to better the competition year on year. But we can't get ahead of ourselves. So this is like this is just one of the things that. I need to hit home because we really cannot get ahead of ourselves. Because if we're going to look at numbers, all right, um, do, do you know how much the men's World Cup generated at the end of 2022? I have Eight a feeling. months ago. Huh? I have a feeling you're going to inform us. Yeah. Six billion US dollars in revenue. Oh, that is enormous. Yeah. Six billion US dollars in revenue, the, the men's World Cup. Do you know how much the record-breaking Women's World Cup in Australia generating revenue? Record-breaking. It broke every record that it's ever had. $570 million US. Right? Yep. Not 10 times, probably about 11 times, close to 12 times the amount of revenue. So, what are you talking about? Where's pay quality in what? For what? What do you want pay quality for? For what? Where? So just explain the pay parity, which is now going to come in. The men drew from a pool of what? Just explain to the viewers and the listeners yeah. which men. Just break it down for us. So what I'm saying is this. The, the Men's World Cup, right? Yeah, that was in As, Qatar. That so was in Qatar in December 2022. The one that the Australians sent their little political message through the through through the through the Australian team and and had their hissy hoo ha and made it like the Australian Australia is a is is a state of that um, that's never done anything wrong in its life and it's the it's the perfect country in the perfect government perfect everything yeah um, yeah that tournament there were the ones that the academy that the Qataris gave to the Australians because of Tim Cahill. They gave them a home that we still don't even have in their own country in Australia, right? They're, this is the government that they're criticizing. Generated six billion US dollars in revenue, right? Yep. That includes sponsorships, uh, broadcasting rights, merchandise, everything. The Women's World Cup generated 570 million US dollars. Again, sponsorship, broadcasting, merchandise, everything, right? And that happened in Australia and New Zealand between two countries. 
Now, after that's happened, after the World Cup is, is, has, has finished, obviously it's, it's a hot conversation. They've come out and they said now that there has to be, that there needs to be equal pay between the men and the women. Gianna Infantino or Infantino, whatever his, his name is, the FIFA president said, hang on a second, there's a bit more that needs to be done before we even have this conversation. He said, you have to convince us with, with, the, your, with the dollar value that, that you attract. For God's sake, they were threatening blackouts in Europe before the World Cup because many others weren't, weren't prepared to pay for it. Because of the time disparity, right? There's yep. no problem with that when it comes to when it comes to the men's game anywhere in the world. They pay. Don't worry about that. So more of the story is you can't be expecting the same pay as the men if you're not generating the same revenue. This culture of participation awards, feeling sorry for one side and giving them because they are well, whatever they are, it's got to go, mate. This produces nothing but, it, but destruction. It is a method, a path to destruction. Yeah, it's funny because somebody actually wrote on social media the other day and um, the person's name escapes me but did say, why are the Matildas suddenly beyond reproach? Are we not allowed to criticise them because they're female? Exactly. It's people who are criticised have done something right, not something wrong. Why, If these girls are going to finish fourth in a World Cup and start to be considered as equals to men, well, they've got to be open to criticism because if we're not going to criticise them, they'll be treated like babies. Exactly, because the men get slaughtered. Um, you say slaughtered so or extorted? They get slaughtered with with, the, with their criticism. Um, so this is what we're talking about, right? We, 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 we have an issue with the politics that's been pushed through sport now, and it really is being pushed all around the world, not just here. For example, the American soccer teams, the men generate 10 times, 20 times more than more than the females, and now they get half. Why? For what reason? Yeah, look, I think it's a long play. Uh, I don't want to go into that today. It's probably too political, but uh, I'm sure over the coming episodes of Raw Sports, you and I will dissect why. Well, that's rare coming from you. <laughs> oh, yes, why is that? You, you don't mind a political conversation here, here and there. <laughs> Look, I do like political Anyway, anyway, we'll keep going. All right, enough about soccer, enough about sport, enough about women's football. Let's keep going. Now, the biggest game in our country, the AFL. A few, a few incidents. Let's start off again about pay. Newest, new AFL CEO, Andrew Dillon, has come out and said... Prize money is going to be equal. The prize money of the AFL men's league is going to be equal to the AFLW's league. Or did I other way around? Yeah. The, the AFLW's prize money in the coming season, which is 10 rounds, <clears> is going to be equal prize money to the AFL men's. Right? So of the 1.1 million divided up for the men's team, for the top four, I think it is. Now, 1.1 million, if I'm reading this right, will then be divvied up over the women's top eight teams. Yeah. The top eight teams that give out 
free tickets for people to come and watch who who display a sub-average level of football who whose broadcast numbers are non-existent if it wasn't for the for the men i yeah. promise you channel they 31 better. i promise you channel 31 would not would not televise them if, if it wasn't for the uh, afl no, but they well it doesn't matter it's not there if you if you're going to pay somebody equal to someone it's got to be on the same level it's not there getting better is not good enough well it's not even a similar level well, that's the criticism exactly so there's nothing wrong with investing in a game paying these fem- these girls more so they can take it up as a full-time thing instead of having another job nothing against that but when you come to incentives and you put them on the same level as the men who generate of the 4.5 4.7 billion dollars most of those rights i'd say about 4.59 billion 4.9 billion come because of the men's game so how again like how does it make sense i just don't i just don't understand if this isn't political nothing is politics again creeping into our game being pushed not this, great game it's in our game yeah in our game being pushed by this left-leaning government who's giving them grants so they've got them by the they can't say a word right yep <laughs> they can't say a word otherwise hundreds of millions of dollars in grants will, will disappear and they're just pushing this agenda of course oh, look i agree with you oh there's nothing for more for me to say than say yes you are a hundred percent correct it's devastating. Moving on. Jack Zebel hospitalised. Three gutless men. Yeah, the North Melbourne uh, former captain was we're, belted on Saturday night. We're both we're both North Melbourne supporters. Jack Zebel's been a great servant of the club, a champion of the Kangaroos. Came through a time where he was very unfortunate. Not much success. We played a few preliminary finals or whatnot under Scott. But other than that, he's 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 had a rough time. He was a great player, great servant of the club. Finished, finished off against the Tigers on Saturday. Went, went to the Osborne, the Osborne rooftop bar in um, South Yarra, Commercial in, Road. Yeah, in South Yarra. He's upstairs with his mates, you know, enjoying himself, celebrating his his career. He hears his mates are in trouble downstairs. Goes downstairs, gets jumped by by three guys, and appears yesterday on Channel Nine with all these cuts across his face and going in for surgery at the Epworth. I mean, like, what kind of, like, like why? What do you want from this guy? Like, why <clears> would you do this to someone who's given so much to the game? Well, uh, look, the other thing is, did they identify Jack Siebel as a North Melbourne player? Why, who initiated the scuffle? Because They said, from what I heard, Tones, is that they were niggling at him all night. And they got kicked out because they were giving him a hard time. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, look, there is quite a few updates. Look, Saturday night at around 12.30, he was king hit and punched and kicked. If we are to uh, believe media reports, the Victoria Police is currently investigating the situation. He was taken to hospital, which I think was the... Uh, the Alfred Hospital, which is some five hundred the corner, yeah. Yep. yeah, literally. And then yesterday was um, captured by Channel Nine cameras entering Epworth, 
which is a private hospital in Melbourne near the Richmond, Richmond yeah. Road football ground, where he was undergoing uh, rhinoplasty and facial surgery after the attack. And then two gentlemen from Narry Warren in Melbourne's Outer East handed themselves into police yesterday morning, I think it was, to um, plead guilty to the assault. One was one has pleaded guilty, I think a 21-year-old, and another gentleman was released pending further inquiries. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty disappointing for him to to end end the night that way. Um, well, his final game for the club, they'd been out to a pub in Richmond. They then decided to go on to the exclusive South Yarra night spot of the Osborne Rooftop Bar around the corner in South Yarra, and this is what happened. It's look, it's unfortunate. Oh, I thought Melbourne. Oh, I thought. AFL footballers and sportsmen as a whole were almost immune to being king hit and targeted by people in the um, in the public domain, especially in Melbourne. Well, I mean, particularly in Melbourne, they're they're yeah. idolised. So I'm just surprised. I'm, I know it does happen. We know Dane Swan had a tooth knocked out some ten years ago at a club in Melbourne, and other players get into scuffles. But by and large, and in South Yarra, I thought that uh, most AFL players would be immune to this sort of behaviour from the public. Although, I still want to hear... The, the other side, yeah. ...came about. I mean, look, Jack Siebel is obviously the victim here, the survivor, but did he play a role in the assault? Could be. Well, let's wait and find out. Um, two other legends also finished up in the same game as Siebel, Trent Cochin and Jack Rewalt, um, real legends of our game in our modern game. Uh Three-time Premiership players, great ambassadors of the sport. I'm sure they'll find themselves in the media, especially Jack. Well, they already are. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's an end of an era, I think, for the Tigers. I think that's uh, we've seen a few of their Premiership players now all all finish up. How many more is there? I think you can count the rest on one hand. Uh, what Premiership players? Yeah, at the Tigers. Oh no, there'd be more than. Um five or six at the Tigers. Really? Well, I would suggest so, yes, without actually having the list in front of me. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe I've, I've, I've miscalculated. But, yeah, anyway, it's the end of an era, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it is. we discussed this last week, I think, and the biggest question on everybody's lips is, do they lose superstar Dustin Martin? Well, segue into that is Hardwick just got announced as the – Gold Coast coach. Hardwick was a servant of the Richmond Football Club for 13 years, led them to three flags alongside super CEO Brendan Gale, who, in my opinion, should have been the AFL CEO. Yep, I um, see. Yeah, um, pretty disappointing that he wasn't, but we'll keep, we'll, we'll stay on topic. Hardwick, interesting case. Legend coach, legendary coach of the Tigers, gave his all for 13 years. Tigers were out, gone. He brought them back, won three flags. During the year, this year, just blew up, said, I'm done, need a break. Last week, we, we start hearing rumours that the Gold Coast Suns are interested. All of a sudden, a couple of days ago, signed. Many would say that's, that's a, in, in slang terms, that's the dog's act. But if we look at the accolades and what he's done for the club, is it? Is it what? A dog's act? Yeah. 
Uh, look, my first um, my first thought is no. Yeah. What's your, and what's your second thought? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just isolate the first thought. Did he see an opening at the Gold Coast prior to jumping ship out of Richmond? Uh, were they going okay then? Well, the Gold Coast was going okay. I mean, Stewie Jew had been, I think, locked in for another two years and then found himself without a job. But, like, I think it's Mark Evans, right, who's the, uh, who's, who's the Gold Coast the president? CEO. The who, sorry? The Grand Standing CEO. Yes. He flew to Rome to meet yeah. with Hardwick recently. So With, with the chairman, Bob East. Now, yeah. A really good point you bring up. Yes, I think the whole situation is, when they announced Damien Hardwick yesterday, did they try and foil any further talk of the Swans-Crows debacle from Saturday night where the ball went through for a goal with, I think, just over 60 seconds to go and play? which has now been – it wasn't the, – the goal wasn't reviewed. So, therefore, Adelaide now loses that game to Sydney and is ineligible to play finals. It's been an enormous issue. Did the AFL ask the Gold Coast to bring forward Damien Hardwick's announcement to scuttle any talk of that? And then by extension of that, when Damien Hardwick was photographed at, um, at uh, Carrara Stadium, formerly Metricon, why was Damien Hardwick photographed with the CEO and the chairman as their new appointee when he's going to be their coach? I would have thought you would have Damien Hardwick with the captain and the chairman. Yeah, good question. I never thought of it that way, to be to be quite, to be quite frank. But look, it's it is what it is. Um, it's happened. But yeah, I mean, Hardwick's going to be a huge asset. Um, he, Did you agree with the six-year deal? I think it's a bit too long. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a bit too long. I, and, I don't think you need six years anymore. I think you need three to four, Max. And another issue which is going to be ongoing for the next six to eight weeks, does Damien Hardwick go after Dustin Martin? Well, according to him, no, according to, which is obviously he's going to say no. Um, well, he wasn't, he, he wasn't equivocal when asked about it. Well, he said yesterday that 80% of his premiership teams sitting right in front of him. And he said uh, Dusty's still got time in Melbourne and so on and so on. And he apparently one of the incentives for Dusty is if he holds on until next year, he gets paid out $1.6 million or some sort of incentive. Yeah, he's also going to play 300 games for the Tigers. Yeah. So, so well, I know um, personally that he has spoken of a will to play in Queensland, but the potential to play 300 games for the Tigers, I think it is could be too big a carrot for him to ignore and he could stay at Punt Road. But if they're going through, as you only suggested a couple of minutes, so they're going to go through an enormous rebuild, their whole identity will change with the potential of not being as good in, two, in season 2024. Does he want to hang around? Uh, I think there's $1.6 million to incentivise him. Um, fairly handy, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, mate. Like, if he, I'd be very surprised he'd go unless the, the Suns can pay him just as much, and I don't think they have the money to pay him that much. 
Yeah, but they wouldn't. They'd turn around and they would say, Dusty, we will give you a better way of life. We're not going to pay you $1.3, $1.4 million. We'll give you 900 to a million, but I'm not sure Dustin would actually accept that. Why would he? Doesn't make sense. Um, especially when half of that gets, gets bloody taxed. Yeah. Um, all right, let's keep now, going. Yeah, I wanted to go on to um, the debacle out at Homebush Stadium on Saturday where the Giants beat Essendon by some 120 points. I think the Bombers have some serious problems, honestly. I mean, if you if you go on that sort of run and come back and, and, and put that on, it's very, very... Um, Worrying, to be honest with you. Boy who has had um, three clubs kick nine goals on the weekend was sensational. And I'll tell you what was even better. All for all you Melbourne AFL loving hard nuts, including you, Ahmed, Jesse Hogan was back page of Sydney's Sunday Telegraph newspaper. That's, that, that's different. That, well, different. That's a that's fantastic for the game of AFL football in the northern states. How often would that be? Jesse Hogan, you wouldn't be able to pick him in a lineup up in Sydney. No one would recognise him. He's now back page of a club that struggles to get more than fifteen to twenty thousand to a game, and he's back page of the, of the biggest selling newspaper in the country. Well, there you go. The game's improving. The ca- it just goes to show you if the Giants do well. They, they, they can easily become a powerhouse club in Sydney. Oh, yeah. Look, I don't know whether we're allowed to say shit on this channel, but shit, yeah. You can say whatever you want. It's raw sport. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and to add salt to their to their wounds, uh, that the Bombers are going to sign on Dyson Heppel, who I think is more than finished. Oh, look, I haven't seen enough of his games, but he looks tired. He's lacking leadership, and I'm not sure why they thought it best to re-sign him for next year. I don't know whether it's a financial consideration or a leadership consideration, but I just think with where Essendon's at, the fans will go bananas. I mean, they were crying foul over the weekend at the enormous loss to the GWS Giants, and now they want to sign somebody who's 34 years old. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Like, it just doesn't make any sense in my opinion. No, I know. And yeah. the other thing is, look, the biggest question is why? What what does he add to that team for next year? Is it leadership? I don't know. Good question. I don't have an answer for you. But we can definitely move on. Um, Messi. We talk about Messi every week, it seems. Um, Leo Messi has into Miami. World. Sorry, mate? He's the second or third biggest star in the world. Absolutely, mate. He's gone. So let's give you guys some context. Leo Messi got signed by Inter Miami. Inter Miami in the MLS league is at the bottom of the ladder. So they have another league that's called the League's Cup, right? It's all it's like the FA Cup in England. Inter Miami has gone on and won the League's Cup from the time Messi joined them. Right, last weekend they won the league's cup. They beat Nashville, Nashville, and at Nashville, and Messi scored an amazing goal, and their goalkeeper finished it in penalties. They had many opportunities to win it, but here we go. The, the point is that Messi's already brought success to Inter Miami. 
it's a, it's a Miami were really struggling at one stage. Yep. This guy, wherever he goes, whatever he touches, he just seems to bring greatness. So that's that's Messi's so, uh, what an update. Him and Beckham have been absolutely fantastic for that team. Sorry, mate. I said Messi and Beckham. Yeah, I mean. Go on, mate. I was just going to say, Messi and Beckham have been unbelievable for Inter Miami. Absolutely, mate. So uh, his his streak of success continues. Um, he's he has transformed that that club in a very short amount of time. No one um, had heard of them until a month ago. Yeah, exactly. And and I'd say to some of them, mate, there's more to come because they're attracting a, a lot more players that used to play with Messi. So, well, um, you know. Sorry, man. What from Argentina? From Barcelona, from from back in the days. So, uh, Messi's is has taken over Miami. He's brought the MLS to millions of homes now around the US. TV. Yeah, it's all on uh, Apple TV, literally. And Apple TV is absolutely loving it because they're about to pass two million subscribers. He's he's just blown things through the roof. Now you have Apple looking at. Actually, this is a, this is a good segue. Apple is looking at purchasing ESPN from All Talks. Really? Uh, yes, ESPN is very the lead armor. That's a huge story. Absolutely. So ESPN has had some difficulties in recent times with its streaming network not being profitable, even though it's in twenty-four million homes. ESPN is in a bit of a, a pickle. Because other app, other Disney properties are not doing well, so usually one would cover for 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 the other. So Disney's in a bit of a shit show at the moment, again because of politics. But we aren't going into that. We we don't need to. The story here is ESPN is up for sale, basically be, behind the scenes. Yep. And Apple are very interested, and that comes on the back of the success that they've had with Messi and the likes. So we could we could see. A takeover soon. Do so, uh, you have numbers? Do you, do you know what sort not of? Not yet. Not yet. Not talking? yet. Not yet. No. Not yet. No. It's just you know what, if um if what you're saying has merit, that would be unbelievable for the sporting uh, sporting platforms of the world. One hundred percent has merit, and you will all find that very very soon. I like that, Armin. Now, what about before we go? What about Australian Wallabies coach Eddie Jones? who spoke to the media at Sydney Airport last week and complained of the media's negativity ahead of the World Cup in France later this year. <laughs> now, what about it? Tell us. Well, Eddie Jones has been criticised for leaving some champions out of the team. He left Quade Cooper out, which is mind-boggling. Um, and I think the majority of the team has never played in a World Cup and we're taking them to France. Um, you when know. was the last time we, we uh, won a World Cup, Rugby World Cup? Uh, off the 99? top of 99? No. You win. 99? Was that uh, – where was it played? I, I don't recall, but I'm pretty sure it was under him. Yeah, but it's now 24 years later. Did he win one, did he win one with England? Well, you're telling me. I think so, from memory. But anyway, more of the story is... He's well, he's lost the last four games since he's taken over. 
He's done it before. Give him some time. Yeah, but I just think, well, look, I, I know Clyde Cooper and his management are absolutely filthy. So it'll be interesting to see how that relationship... Who's his management? His manager is Kota Nasser. <laughs> yeah, not sure why that would uh, instigate a smile, but yeah. No, just, just, just asking for, for a mate, just waiting for a mate, just asking for, for a mate, that's all, mate. Well, um, Quade Cooper's refusing to accept Eddie Jones' calls, so there's obviously an enormous amount of friction, and there hasn't been a reason given for his demotion. So We love Quade, we love his team. I tell Quade Cooper, work harder, work yourself back into the team. But he's 35. Where does he go from here? Work harder, brother. Work harder. That's what that's all I can say to you. Make well, yourself make yourself relevant. Make yourself needed. He is relevant, but I just I don't know whether it's a clash of egos, whether it's a personality clash. Could be. <clears throat> or both. But um Eddie Jones to go out and blame the media, I think he's already trying to find a scapegoat and they haven't played a game. Well, there you go. Let's just wait and find out, buddy. Yes. All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Once again, once again, jam-packed episode, lots of nuggets, lots of controversy. And as we do every week, uh, I'll hand it over to you, Tony, with any words of wisdom. <laughs> I'll give you words of wisdom, but I'll repeat what you said. Quite Cooper, keep punching. All right, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, take care, everyone. We'll catch you all next week. On the on another episode of Raw Sport. Take care, everyone.